0: So I want to look at Acts chapter 9. I want to look at kind of a starting point, and then we're going to kind of move into some practical things here. So Acts chapter 9 and verse 20. Acts chapter 9 and verse 20. If you're familiar with the book of Acts, you're going to know pretty quick. Uh, Acts chapter 9 is the conversion of an individual named Saul. Uh, to the kids in here, maybe some of the junior church kids that are staying in this morning, uh, can any of you guys tell me what does Saul's name become? What does he become to be called later on? Who is this Saul that's being talked about? Josiah. Paul. Paul. Thanks, Monroe. Paul. Absolutely. I just realized they're in junior church. They're asked to raise their hand. I didn't think about that. I'm like, what's going on? And the junior church teachers are like, don't you undermine my teaching. You better have them raise their hand. Uh, But no, yes, Paul, right? So this is a story about how the apostle Paul comes to know Jesus Christ and then ends up getting called into one of the most dynamic missions that we read about in scripture. The known world was turned upside down. By the Apostle Paul as he began to travel and plant churches and preach the gospel, and he's doing all this, these things. And I want to look at kind of early on in his experience as a, as a believer. He's he's just recently come to know Christ as Savior. And then we get into Acts chapter 9 and verse 20. It says this, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Pause, good or bad that Paul is doing this. Very good, right? It's very good. Is God, did God tell him and call him to preach that Jesus is the son of God? Yes. So is Paul doing exactly what God called him to do? Yes. Okay, we have to note that. Okay, goes on in verse 21. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on his name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent? "...that he might bring them bound into the chief priests. But Saul increased them more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ." Paul's preaching and teaching the gospel. He's preaching that Jesus Christ is the son of God. He's going into the synagogues where the Jews are gathering and he's telling them and encouraging them and, and showing them from scripture how Jesus is the Messiah. And as this is happening, the people are just blown away by this. They can't believe this is the same guy that, hey, by the way, you were coming here to arrest us, to take us to prison because we're believers. And now you are preaching the same Jesus we're preaching. It blows us away that God made this change in your life. And so side note, God God can make this kind of change in our lives when we give ourselves to Christ. So many people are beating themselves up with who they used to be. Some of you got saved and still lived in a way that didn't honor God, and you're still carrying that weight and guilt and shame. Man, that is under the blood. That is forgiven. That is the reason for grace. We don't let those things bind us any longer, but rather live in a way that honors Christ so that people will see you and go, man, is this the same person that I knew 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Whatever. Is this the same person? It's just amazing what God is doing in their life. And so it's a great testimony. But here's the thing. As the people are seeing this, as Paul's preaching the gospel, everything should be going good. I mean, he's doing exactly what God said to do. He's doing it exactly the way God said to do it. He's going to the Jews. He's building these relationships. He's preaching Christ. But we can't stop at verse 22. Because as everything's going good and things are going fine, and we think, oh, man, God's going to bless. And, and he even said it in the video. We're doing this for, for a way that honors you, Lord. We feel we're building the right team. We believe you can do this thing. And it just doesn't happen. Or it goes away we don't expect. Verse 23. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. Like, could you, the apostle Paul is doing what God said to do. He's living in a way that honors him. He's preaching the gospel. And then bam, opposition, a form of persecution, disappointment. I mean, imagine if you're Paul, you're thinking, God, I'm doing all this for you. And now here, opposition comes into my life. I mean, do you think Paul got up that morning and said, you know what, God, I'm doing all this for you. I can't wait for someone to come and try to kill me. I don't think that's how Paul went about his days. Now, we know as we read, Paul learns to be content. And I love that he says that because I don't think Paul started with great contentment. I think Paul, like all of us, had to learn this. So we know that he learns that. We know that he's okay to sacrifice himself at the end of his life to the things of Christ and for the things of Christ. But I got to believe that if Paul was human, as we know he was, this brought maybe a level of discouragement or disappointment. Like, God, I'm doing all this for you, and this is not how I thought it would go. We can walk in this Christian life with great expectations of all we believe God will do. After all, Jesus said, greater things you will do than what he did. He says that in the gospels, greater things you will do than the things that he did. However, Jesus wasn't saying the acts themselves would be better. He rose, he rose from the dead and, and he allowed people to be healed and he did great miracles and all these things. He is saying the number of great works God is going to do through his church will be greater. It's greater in quantity, not in quality. So we can expect God to work. We can pray for God to work and watch God do great things. But what do we do when we do those things and we believe those things and we're in God's word and we're praying and we're seeking him and we're asking him to do great things. And then it just doesn't pan out like we want. See, some people allow that discouragement to go, you know what, I'm not going to expect anything of God anymore. I'm not going to ask of God anymore. I'm just going to, you know, have low expectations, right? If your expectations are real low, you can't be disappointed. So I'm just going to lower my expectations and just, just get through life. Man, I don't believe that's the call of the Christian life. I believe we're supposed to expect God to do great things. I'll give you a little example of this and a little transparency of how I don't do this all the time. Last night, we had our movie night's. And uh, we showed the movie Genesis Paradise Lost and we actually were able to raffle off a copy of that and give away a copy of that DVD at the movie last night. And and of course, you guys know Friday was not great weather. Roads weren't great. Saturday morning, uh, we came into our men's prayer breakfast and and just talking with some guys and just driving in. I was like, man, these roads aren't great. Um, we went out and were out and about on the roads and driving back to the church uh, before the movie night. It was kind of a little icy in spots. And, and Sandra, actually, earlier in the day, she is as, as gracious as she is because she is really good at this and I need this. Um, I was sitting there and I was driving back from the prayer breakfast and I was like, man, the roads are bad. No one's going to come tonight. It's going to be a bus. Like no one's going to show up. Like this is a waste of time. No one can relate with this. Anyone been here? Yeah. Anyone been like this, man? It's just, why are we even doing this? This is a waste of time, waste of money. You know, it's just, oh, no one's going to come. Why are we even doing this? Now I wasn't maybe that dramatic, but I get a little dramatic at home. Sandra can attest to this. That's why she doesn't get allowed to preach. Okay. And she, you know, she started just in her way of just like, man, God gives us helpmates in our lives to to help us to refocus and get our minds back where it needs to be. And she began to encourage me like, well, you're going to spend all this time worrying about this, but you can't control it. So just, it is what it is. Like we just, we're do it. We put it on. If two people come, then they're going to be blessed. If 10 people come, they're going to be blessed by it. And we just enjoy it. I'm like, okay, like, thank you for that. Okay. We had about 70 people here last night. That includes uh, kids that were down there. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. No, yeah. Seventy people were here for that movie last night. And you might say, oh, it's just a movie night. Do you know that at the last, like, man, ten minutes of that movie, there was an in-depth, exhaustive explanation of the gospel? We had, by the way, five visitors here last night, too, for the movie night. And you know what's amazing is, I think it was Thursday, uh, Pastor Seth, a real good friend of mine, we were texting back and forth, and he said, hey, how can I pray for you guys this weekend? What's going on? I said, man, just pray for some events we got going on. I just, I just don't know what kind of result we're going to get with the roads going to be bad and stuff. And he said, well, i be praying for you. I texted him last night when I got home. I said, dude, your prayers were answered. This is what God can do. And then he was fired up and he was, I think he posted something on Facebook or whatever. And he was geeked up about stuff. And, but guys, I'm telling you, the reason I bring that out is because the temptation we have is we go, God, I just don't know if you can do this. God, I look at all these situations and these circumstances, and maybe it's something more serious for you. Maybe it's something more weighty for you. But the point is, we tend to lower expectations and believe God can't do it. Why? Because we've been disappointed in the past. And we thought, well, I thought God could do this, and he didn't do it the way I wanted him to, so I'm disappointed now, so I'll lower my expectations. No, no, we need to expect great things of God, but we need to learn how to handle disappointments when things go differently than what we want. Because, by the way, he is God, and we are not. So to handle disappointments in this life, and I'm going to give you guys real quick four basic things to kind of look at um, and and kind of just kind of give them to you in a a quicker way than normal, Um, but let's go ahead and look at these real quick. So to handle disappointments in this life, we ask ourselves where we have placed our faith. So the first thing we have to do is we ask ourselves where we have placed our faith. Is our faith in God or is our faith in the result? Is our faith in God or is our faith in the results? James chapter 1. I'm going to give you some references. We, we probably won't turn to all of these, but James chapter 1. So if you want to go there with me, you can. Uh, James chapter 1 and verse 2. So can we expect great things from God? Yes. But our faith isn't in the things God does necessarily. The faith we have is in God himself. So that when things go different than our plan, because he is sovereign and we are not, when things go different than our plan because his will is accomplished by his doing, and sometimes we pray for things that maybe we think are his will, but maybe are not his will in that moment or that season or that time, we still trust. We put our faith in God, not the results. So James chapter 1 and verse 2. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Perfect does not mean flawless. It's the idea of complete or mature. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that gives to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. See, uh, where's our faith this morning? Is our faith in him? Or do we change our faith from the results to God to the results to God? Are we pushed back and forth? Are we double-minded in how we look at these things? Do we want to have faith, but we doubt because we've had disappointment? Man, our faith needs to be in God, not in the results. We rest in the work Christ has done, not in the things Christ does. I think this is so foundational to handling disappointments in our lives. We need to place our faith in Christ so when things fall apart, we are still standing on the rock of our salvation. That phrase, various temptations, or different kinds. The, The way it breaks down is multifaceted, right? Lots of different kinds of temptations and trials. These are not trials to sin or temptations to sin. These are temptations of just testings, things that just come up in life. Just things that we go through in this Christian life. And we have to ask, when those things come against me, where does my focus go? Where do I direct my attention? When we shift our faith in God and his goodness to the momentary things we see around us, we will become like wind-pushed waves. James asks and encourages us to ask for wisdom of God in faith, believing God will provide. I believe this fits Our talk this morning, because when we face various kinds of trials, we believe God can give us his wisdom so that when we go through these things, we will see his hand at work, even in the midst of disappointment. When we think he's forgotten about me or doesn't care, we are being double-minded and reveal our faith was in the result, not the Savior. When I start to believe lies about who God is or how God sees me, we show that our faith wasn't really in God. It was in the things God does or the results. We can expect great things, but when things fall apart or things don't go according to plan, our foundation never shifts and never moves. So the first thing we have to ask ourselves to handle disappointment in this life is where have we placed our faith? Another thing to think about, not only have we placed our faith in God or in the results, our faith is in God that he can change our hearts as well. So we ask ourselves, where have we placed our faith? Is it in God or is it in the results? And if it is in God, then we realize our faith in God can change and that He can actually change our very hearts. Romans 15:13. Go over there with me just quickly. Romans 15:13. So Romans 15:13. Again, it's, this is the Apostle Paul speaking here, so connect the dots. The Apostle Paul, who was preaching Christ and doing all these great things, and yet people tried to kill him. Uh, if you read his story, he actually suffered great hardships, um, lots of persecution, lots of things that he went through. So listen as he says this and put it in the mindset of it's the Apostle Paul speaking. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of, our ho- God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. We believe that God, and, that God can and does work in our hearts to reinforce and refocus our attention back on him. We are called to believe while God promises to fill you with all joy and peace. Do you see that connection there? We can get so discouraged and disappointed that we think that nothing is going to change, that change is impossible, that it's always going to be this way, that I can't, you know, it's always just disappointment of disappointment. No, 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 time out. It can change. It will change if our focus is refocused on the things of him. It says there in verse 13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. And then there's that phrase, in believing. In believing. Now, we know we have Christ, we have that relationship, we have the peace of God, but I believe this is dealing with an ongoing relationship, that as I continue to trust and continue to believe in him and my focus is on him, he will fill me over and over and over again with that joy and that peace. I don't know about you, but I have faced some discouraging times in my life i faced disappointing times in my life and in the ministry. Uh, being in ministry is a great blessing. I would rather do nothing else. This is the greatest blessing I could ever have. But in ministry, in, over the last so many years, been in ministry in total since 2005, senior pastor since 2012. In all those years, and I pray there's many, many, many more years to come in ministry, and I pray that it's right here. And so if God answers my prayers, Sandra and I plan is to at some point just kind of fade into the background in our 60s or 70s or something. I don't know. Just let someone else take over. But we want to be here for a long time. But in those years of ministry, it's been interesting to see how many times there's been discouragement and disappointment. Uh, I've had plans of how God was going to move and how God was going to grow the church and how God was going to do this or that. And those things, some of them came to be and some things have not. God has done great things and things have happened that I didn't see coming. There have been relationships that I thought, man, this is the one. I've had people, you know, that, that have a relationship with in the church and you're like, man, I really believe God's going to grow this person up. It's going to be a great thing. And then the person's job relocates them to some completely different area. Okay, Lord, I guess you've got a different plan. And I'm just being real with you. There have been times where there's been some discouraging times in ministry. But you know why I'm saying that is because you can relate with that. It doesn't matter what vocation you were in. It doesn't matter where you're at. You've gone through difficult times, disappointing times. Things didn't go as you thought. And when those things happen, we have a choice to make. Do I believe that this is how it's always going to be? Or do I believe that God is in control of all this? I put my attention in him. I believe and he fills me with his joy and peace. In those moments, to handle disappointment, in those moments, we must believe he can fill and mend our hearts. So my encouragement to you is this. Maybe if you're here this morning and you're going through a disappointing time, a discouraging time, things haven't gone like you thought they would, maybe you would jot down Romans fifteen thirteen. Let that be a prayer for you. Like, honestly, the next seven days or the next 30 days, just begin praying that verse. God, I believe that you can do this. I'm asking that you'd fill me with your joy, peace that i focus on you during these disappointing times. Begin to pray and ask God to reveal that to you. So we need to ask a couple questions about where we're placing our faith. But also, I want to encourage you to get alone with God. In this process of all these things we're doing, thinking about our hearts and where our minds are, where our faith is, we get alone with God. And what do we do when we get alone with God? Here's an amazing gift that God gives us. You share your frustrations with God. Now, I know you're thinking, What? I mean, is that okay to do? Can I share those things with God? Can I really be that honest with God? Yes, and yes, and yes. Jot down these references. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 19, and Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1. I'm going to read them in just a moment, uh, but I want to encourage you to jot those down. I'm I'm going to encourage you to think about what Jeremiah is doing here. We can see examples throughout all of Scripture of followers of God calling out when things didn't go according to plan. And God is not offended by your anger when things don't go right. Let me just let you know that. His shoulders are big enough. He can receive that. Now, I'm not saying we're disrespectful to God. I'm not saying we're irreverent to God. But I believe when you read through Scripture, you see lots of followers of God getting angry that God isn't doing or is doing whatever is going on. The book of Habakkuk, for one example. Other cases where people see things happening and they're just mad. God, why are you letting this happen? God, why aren't you doing this? God, I know you can stop this. I know you can do that. And they're just venting those frustrations to God, and God receives that. So my question to you is, do you need to voice some frustrations to God? Can I encourage you something right now? Not out loud, but right now, in this moment, I would encourage you through prayer right now. Let it out. Like, just just tell God, whatever it is between you and God, what's going on. Listen to the words of Jeremiah the prophet when he cries out to the Lord. Jeremiah four nineteen says this: My anguish, my anguish, my anguish, my anguish. I writhe in pain. Oh, the walls of my heart! My heart is beating wildly. I cannot keep silent, for I hear the sound of the trumpet, the alarm of war. Does that sound like a guy who's holding back? Does that sound like a guy who's kind of maybe trying to sugarcoat it a little bit? No, this is a man that got alone with God. And said, God, I just need to pour this out. Jeremiah 12:1, he prays. Righteous are you, O Lord, when I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all who are uh, treacherous thrive? I love that, uh, that translation of that passage. When I complain to you. When I come to you and I complain about all this that I see around me, you you are Lord. Do you notice he's still honoring him as God? He's still honoring him as Lord, but he's just being real with him. He's just being honest with him. You see, to handle disappointments in this life, we get alone with God and we share our frustrations with him. Every time in scripture, when someone cried out an honest and desperate need to God, God heard them, was there for them, even when they didn't feel like God was there for them. So we cry out, we share our frustrations with God. But also when we get alone with God, we don't just share our frustrations. We shift our focus from our disappointment to God's love. We shift our disappointment for our focus from our disappointment to God's love. One more passage I want to look at. You're in Romans. Go back a couple pages to Romans 8. Very familiar passage. Many of us have read this, memorized this. But when we're in that disappointing moment, we're in that season of a lull, we're just kind of in that season of discouragement. we shift our focus by getting alone with him, inventing before him. He's already begun to change our hearts and change our faith where we're placing our faith. We shift our focus from our disappointment to God's love. Romans 8:38: "For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, when we go through those times and we're venting to him, we also ask. See, sometimes we treat prayer like just a one-way thing. We just vent and vent and vent and vent and vent, and amen, and I'm about my day. I want to encourage you, when you're spending that time with him, get alone with him, vent, share those frustrations, but then be willing to be silent and just receive what he has for you get into god's word and allow him to begin to change our focus from our disappointment to his love for us you see we move from the temporary to the eternal when things don't go as planned we remember that his love for us is eternal situations in this life can separate us from our earthly hopes and dreams Things we come against in this world might separate us from our earthly hopes and dreams. When Tony Dungy was fired from the Tampa Bay Bucks, it separated him from his earthly hopes and dreams. I mean, just, can you imagine, just think for a moment, the amount of hours he invested in a week. Just countless amount of hours and work and effort and all of this. Prayer, asking God to work. And then he gets a phone call. Hey, pack your things. We're moving on. That separated him from his earthly hopes and dreams. But the reality is, while that may happen in this life, in our careers, in our relationships, or the goals we have, when those things get interrupted or don't go as planned, we know nothing can separate us from the love of our God. That in Christ you are kept. So, yes, we're gonna go through. Listen, I'm not gonna lie to you. We're gonna go through. You're gonna go through things where you set these goals, you set these dreams, you have these hopes, and God may achieve those things by His grace. Or other times, He may, because of His will, say, That's not what I really want for you right now. Or other choices are made, and God allows those things to happen, and those dreams are interrupted for a season or a moment or maybe forever. I don't know. But the point is, when those things happen, they hurt and they're tough and they're difficult but it doesn't shake us to our core because our core is held in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're standing on the sure foundation of Christ. When circumstances seem hopeless, we trust not that God will make the circumstances better. We trust in the one who is greater than the circumstance. We trust in the one that holds us in his hand. We trust in his unending grace and how he said we are his for eternity. The truth is this, God has a plan and it is good. God has a plan and it is good. It is good for you, but it will always play out differently than we thought it would. God has a plan and it is good, but it will always play out differently than we thought it would. We need to believe and accept that as truth. That God's plan is good because his plan will always bring glory to his name above all else. However, when it goes different than we thought, it will always and it always will, we keep our faith in him because we truly believe he loves us with an eternal love. So here's my encouragement to you as we close in prayer. You're going to have a time of invitation. I want you to come and pray. If you're going through a discouraging time, a disappointing time, things aren't going like you planned, this is the time to come. Bend a knee and pray and say, God, where's my faith? Is it in the results or it is in you? Would you fill my heart with that joy and peace that you talk about, that I would be at peace in no matter what season I'm in? God, give me a wisdom to shift my focus from the temporary disappointment I'm going through to the eternal love that you have for me. And God, I'd ask all of that as I vent this out and just my frustrations and just just where I'm at. So maybe you would come and do that. But let me encourage you with this. Let's believe also that God can do big things. Let's expect God to do big things. Now, they may not be according to what we think but God can and will do greater things than we can imagine. And it starts with us getting alone with him, getting alone with God and saying, God, do this great work in me and that I would be submitted to you so that I would be your vessel out in this world to see you do greater things through me, through your church. As we proclaim Christ and we make disciples, God is going to change lives. And so do I believe God has great things in store for this church this year? Absolutely. I believe we haven't even scratched the surface of what God can do with a church that's fully committed to him and asking him to lead, guide, and direct. But if it doesn't go like I think it should, if the things that I've thought should happen by this point and that point and this point and that point, I'm okay with that. And not because I'm some great Christian, but because God has showed me that he is ultimately in control and we just need to keep our eyes on him. And so maybe you would come this morning and bend the knee. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, my greatest prayer for you is that you would come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior, confessing your sins, believing he died on the cross for you, asking him to save you, to redeem you, and then commit your life to him. If you ever doubt God's love for you, just take two seconds, think of the cross, and realize when you see the cross, you see the value that God has over you, that he loves you so much he sent a son to die for you. And so however God is leading, would you respond as we pray? Father, as we come to this time of invitation, we ask that you would that you would just work in our hearts and minds. Lord, I pray for the one or maybe more that are here that are going through a season of discouragement, a disappointment, Lord. Father, it's difficult in this life to go through those things. And I pray that you would, as only you can, that you would lead, guide, and direct, that you would do a great work there. Father, I pray that you would minister your grace right now as we cry out to you and we ask you to move and and guide in our lives and to give us wisdom. We thank you that you hear our prayers. And so, Father, we ask that we would respond to you, respond to your moving, to open our hearts and minds before you, to ask the tough questions, and to allow you to fill us with your peace and joy as we believe that you can do that. Lord, we love you. We're expecting great things, Lord, but we are trusting in you, the God who does great things. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done, all that you're going to do, and being there for us, even when we don't feel like it. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning as these guys lead us in a song of invitation? Maybe you want to come and pray. If you're going through a tough time right now. I'm encouraging you. Get alone with God. Spend that time with him. Vent those things out. Ask him to do that work, and he will—he will respond as you cry out to him. However, God is moving. Would you respond?